Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit, the website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Spending control. How's that working out for you? Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. This is version 3.1 of the Yellow Studio. Glad you clicked play. Let's dive right into it. PNC.com. PNC.com. There are 10 recommendations that they give in a post that is entitled How to Stop Spending Money. Do you care? You trying to stop spending money? Have you ever gone through some phase where you tried to stop spending money? I'm your host here, Randy Cantrell is my name, coming to you from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Here are 10 things, 10 recommendations that were listed in this post. In this order, they are one, create a budget, two, visualize what you're saving for, three, Always shop with a list. Four, nix the brand names. Five, master meal prep. Number six, consider cash for in-store shopping. Number seven, remove temptation. Number eight, hit pause. Number nine, think reusable. Number 10, keep at it. (laughs) There are probably, well, there, I know there are millions of lists like this. Some no doubt are equally profound. I could go through these and nitpick, but that's really not the point. I intentionally use the phrase spending control. I mean, it's impossible to stop spending money unless you're dead. It's very possible though, to get a better grip on our spending but only if we want to. So I, I can hear the wheels turning. Why this? Why now? Well, in early March, we sold our house of 25 years and we moved. Clearly, it had been 25 years since we had done it. Moved, that is. So we were not exactly in game shape for moving. You know, lots of things have changed since the late nineties. When we moved the last time our age that tops the list, the economy, well, that's right up there. Our life circumstances. Yep. They're very different. I mean, back then we were a family of four with two high schoolers and today we are an older couple and we've got, we've got almost 20 years experience in being empty nesters. And then there's the practical realities that are associated with selling a house. In particular with our selling our house, we had a built-in refrigerator. So there was no refrigerator to move. That's great. We included the washer and the dryer with the sale of the house. So no laundry to move. Well, that's great on the front end, but when you move, you need a refrigerator You need a washer and dryer. Yeah. So we had to buy them. Uh, Then there are the impractical realities that are associated with selling our house and moving. I would not recommend this to anybody. We moved into an apartment. No, that's not the non-recommendation moving into an apartment. That's great. We moved into an apartment just a few miles away from our old house. Refrigerator, washer, and dryer included in the new apartment. That's great. Uh, We had an opportunity to really disrupt our life. So naturally, we took that. I mean, who wouldn't? We bought a house miles away, and we also moved into that. As my uh, grandson, Jake, famously, he's asked it since he was a little boy. He's not quite so little anymore. He's fixing to enter high school next year. Wait a minute. What? So much so that I, have I told you I registered wait a minute, what.com? Huh. Surely I still own that. 
I vowed I was going to make a website for him and that was going to be the URL. Wait a minute. What.com. You heard me. We bought a house many miles away. We moved into that. And we also moved into an apartment just a few miles away. So we moved twice at the same time. And I'm talking within days of each move. We basically did it simultaneously. About 90% of our stuff was moved into the house and the other 10% or so went to the apartment all at the same time. I know this because my body is still paying the price for it. C4, C5, cervical, neck stuff. Yeah, paying the price for it. Uh, Thus began our outpouring of cash. This is why this is currently top of mind. It's also why I'm discussing it now. But, you know, it's always a good time. Is there ever a time in our lives when it wouldn't be profitable for us to re-examine our spending? The answer is no. The wise answer is no. It's always wise to be more thoughtful about where our money goes. John Prine's classic song, Sam Stone, it includes the line, there's a hole in daddy's arm where all the money goes. Dad, he came home from the Vietnam War injured physically and emotionally and mentally, and now Dad's a junkie, and that's where all the money goes. Where does all your money go? Do you know where all your money goes? I've talked to you before. I have no idea why I formed the habit, but I did this. It really kicked in earnest when I began to drive. And the reason it did is because I had some bills. And I needed to track things. It also happened because I was, I was working, I was earning some pay and I wanted to track my income. And so I carried this, this little two column accounting journal, a little five by seven thing that I I carried with me everywhere I went. And I wrote down fanatically. I wrote down everything. I wrote down every dime I took in. I wrote down every dime I spent. Uh, Friends used to mock me and make fun of me. But at the end of a month, I had money and to spare. And they didn't have a clue where their money went. I have no recollection of how many friends I walked through my journal and taught them the practice. Now, whether they did it or not, that's a whole nother matter. But they didn't mock me for very long. They mostly wanted to figure out, okay, what... What are you, what are you doing? I mean, we know you're writing this stuff down, but, and I would show them, I would show them over the course of a month. Here's where, here's where my money came from. And here's where my money went. And they looked at each other like deer in headlights. They didn't have a clue where their money went. So I would challenge them, track, track it for 30 days. And any time that a buddy would track their stuff for 30 days, they would very quickly find out where their money was going. Mostly it was being wasted and largely it was being wasted on food. Where does all your money go? Here is a lead sentence in a recent news story about the United States government spending. Boy, there's a, that's not a podcast episode. That's a series of podcast episodes, but thankfully we're not into politics here. So I'm not going to get into it. However, this, this lead sentence in this recent news story about the U.S. government spending, specifically the debt that our government so enjoys elevating, it's worth a read. As talks over raising the U.S. government's $31.4 trillion debt ceiling intensify, Wall Street banks and asset managers have begun preparing for fallout from a potential default. Question, do citizens take their cues from their national government? I don't care where you live. Or does the government reflect the habits of their citizens? It's that chicken and egg thing, which came first. I'm sure somebody, surely somebody very smart has studied this. I don't know the answer. Here in America, we love debt because we love spending Our government loves debt because our government loves spending. Do we reflect the government? Does the government reflect us? I don't know. We hate saving. And more than anything, we hate waiting. 
The average American holds a debt balance of $96,371, according to 2021 Experian data, the latest data available. Well, that's two years old now. Do we think that the average American holds less debt today? I doubt it. I'm going to climb out on a limb and venture to guess that the average American is holding higher debt than that. Six figures in debt. Now, anti-capitalism, folks, they will blame it on our consumerism, which is driven by capitalism, which isn't just a Western phenomenon any longer. I blame it on a lack of individual responsibility and low self-discipline or frankly, zero self-discipline in some cases. We are bombarded with advertising. We are bombarded with marketing. It is urging us to buy and to buy right now. And mostly we listen. We do as we are encouraged because we want to. I'm not blaming it on Madison Avenue. I'm not blaming it on advertising. I'm not blaming it on marketing. I'm not blaming it on sales. It's our fault because nobody's forcing this on us. We are burying ourselves because we want what we want and we want it right now. I've talked ad nauseum about cash flowing life and to find that as cash flowing life means that you basically, you live within your means and you do that every single month, calculate your monthly income, discipline yourself, not to spend more than that. That is cash flowing life. Now that doesn't mean that you must spend that amount. Hey, I made $10,000 last month and I spent $10,000. Great. I'm cash flowing life. It does mean that you won't exceed spending more than you make unless it's an exception. And I'll add to that the caveat, unless it's an exception that you are prepared with a strategy to pay it off with no or minimal interest. You know, for example, well, credit card interest is insanely high. It's 20, it's 20 something plus percent. I'll give you an example with us. We had to buy a refrigerator. We had to buy a washer. We had to buy a dryer for our new house because we didn't have any, we didn't move any of those things. And rather than write a check and cover the full amount out of savings, which we could have done, we opted to put it on a newly issued credit card from the store where we bought these items in order to take advantage of six months, same as cash. Now, six months, same as cash simply means six months, no interest. So simply put, if we're paying monthly payments, one sixth of the total for six months, it's not going to cost us a dime more. Meanwhile, our savings account is going to continue to earn 3.75% interest. No, it's not much, but it's better than nothing. Now, if these appliances last us 10 years, then it's easy to calculate their annual upfront cost per year. That makes spending money on something like a major home appliance very different than buying something that we might use for a brief period of time. And then maybe we store it away. We never look at it again. It finds its way into a closet only to be lost. Uh, it, it goes into the junk heap. The ROI on a new refrigerator is much higher. The return on investment is much higher than say the ROI on a set of patio furniture or a new shirt. It's going to last longer. Not to mention, well, unless we wear the shirt every day, it's going to have higher utility. During our move, I've confessed this to the audience before, but during our move, my 10-year-old Apple computer, it died. Okay, well, that prompted me to buy a new one. I was planning to buy a new one, but I was planning on waiting until 2024. So now I'm having to buy a new one nine months or so ahead of schedule. I've already been preparing myself to get a new Apple MacBook Pro to replace the outgoing 27-inch iMac. I just I wasn't planning on it right then, right now. 
I knew it was getting long in the tooth. I knew things were kind of getting quirky. I had already done a few things, namely gone to an external boot up SSD hard drive to just squeeze another year out of this thing. But here I was in March of 2023 and now my computer was dead. Well, my work, my life, it depends on a working computer. So I didn't have a choice. So I pulled the trigger. And again, since this was a major purchase, like those appliances, I bought it at Apple and I took advantage of the 12 months, same as cash. Now, what that means is 12 equal monthly payments with no interest. As long as I pay off the entire balance before the one year anniversary of that purchase. So if this new computer lasts me as long as my previous computers, then I know that I can count on this computer holding up for, well, let's, let's call it eight to 10 years. I tend to get about 10 years. Yeah. I'm high tech like that. So let's say that I'm going to get eight to 10 years. Okay. Well, that's different math again than buying a pair of shoes that might last two to three years, or in my case, four to six years. <laughs> and I took advantage of using Apple's money instead of my own up front. Now, as we look at these major purchases, which gave me pause anyway, because I just don't usually buy these things. I mean, come on. I can't remember when I bought the refrigerator, I bought the washer and dryer, except for the most recent one. I can barely remember buying the Apple iMac. It was right at 10 years ago. So it's been a lot of years since I got any of these things. So these are exceptional purchases, hopefully with long lifespans. Now that's not where the troubles usually are found unless we're buying these things and we really don't need them. We just want them. I categorize all of these things as we needed these things. Most of our trouble is found in these impulse buys and we're buying things that just don't matter. We're buying unnecessary stuff because we just like having new stuff or we like having different stuff. So I began to examine my spending because moving is expensive and much of it is just part of the process. And I don't consider it extraordinary. I don't consider it wasteful. Let me give you a list of some things that I would categorize as these were one-off type expenses and they were associated with moving. These aren't in any particular order. I just wanted to, I just wanted to list them so that I wouldn't leave anything out. A moving expenses. Now we did not hire full blown moving services, but included in our moving expenses were truck rentals help to load and unload trucks. Come on. I'm old. We had a lot of stuff. Yeah. I needed help. Uh, packing material, specialty boxes, you know, boxes for pictures and that sort of stuff. And I did purchase inexpensively just some other boxes, most notably for all my books. Uh, we did all of the packing ourselves. That is, nobody came in and helped us box stuff up. We did all that on our own. We did hire help to pack the truck and to unload the truck. Now, here's the thing with moving expenses. It's once and done. This is not some recurring kind of a thing. B appliances. I've already gone through that. C blinds at the new house. Now, thankfully we just had to do that for two rooms because blinds were already in the house everywhere else. And we simply invested in some blinds for two bedrooms to match the blinds throughout the rest of the house. It was 350 bucks. Uh, we did purchase inexpensively. I will sell, tell you blackout drapes for the apartment, for the bedroom. Yeah. I just, come on. I got to have darkness. I still can't sleep, but makes me feel like maybe I can D 
I'm listing these as staple supplies. Staples are kind of these everyday, use them all the time, necessary kind of things. Now, we had to invest in some staple supplies because we now had an apartment. Well, we have an apartment and a house. And so we needed some things in two different places. This is not normal. Normally, you just take your staple supplies with you. You move and you relocate them. Okay, well, now we had basically two places. So we had to make some investment. And staple supplies, I I mean things like, you know, a a broom and a mop kind of a thing. Um, We Thankfully, we did have a vacuum cleaner. We took the vacuum cleaner to the house. We invested in another vacuum cleaner for the apartment, and we intentionally got a different one. The vacuum cleaner that we had uh, didn't have tool attachments. We invested in one that did. It's a shark, by the way. What kind of vacuum cleaner you got? (laughs) I like vacuuming. I know. Call me weird. Uh, E, landscaping at the new house. Uh, This is a once and basically done ordeal because at the new house, the yard is what it's called. It's an Arizona yard, meaning it's rock. Now you can think, oh, that's great. That's cost. This is not an inexpensive endeavor, but like my computer and like the appliances, it hopefully it has a multi-year benefit. So got a new house, doesn't have a, didn't have a yard. Okay. You know, you got to do that. But again, a long-term kind of a thing by me now. Enjoy me for years to come kind of a thing. F, the yellow studio gear. Now, mostly I owned everything already that I needed. But now I was leaving the yellow studio version 2.0, which prior obviously was version 1.0. And now I was going to have to have version 3.0. And version 3.0 is in the apartment. And it quickly became version 3.1 because... I said in an episode or two back, I moved, I moved the location within the apartment of where the yellow studio is, but I also knew simultaneously I was going to be working to get version 4.0 up and going. That is at the new house. This was going to include desk and chairs and other gear that based on my history going to last forever. G. I'm labeling the, I'm labeling this mid to longer range stuff. You like that category mid to longer range stuff. Now this includes things like ladders, leaf blowers and lawn chairs and storage tubs, you know, things like that, that are going to have a long life, but I'm also including in it things like favorite shoes that go on sale. Do you have favorite shoes? And if they go on sale, do you buy multiple pair? I used to not do that and, and found it was a horrible mistake. And so now what I do is if there's a pair of shoes, I'm thinking of a pair of shoes and they normally are like 65 to $67, but all, all of a sudden they're on sale for 35. Yeah, I buy, I'll buy two or three pair. No, I don't do this very often. I don't buy shoes that often. Favorite pants. So if favorite pants go on sale and you buy two pair, you know, other things like that, things like that, that I, I, I say will last two to three years. I, I get way longer use. I'm just, I'm not a clothes horse. I don't invest in new clothes. I used to, because you know, you wear a suit a lot and you dress up a lot. Thankfully the world has gotten very casual and I just don't do that anymore. Uh, I'll, I'll invest in shirts. They'll last six to seven years. Same with pants, same with shoes. H short range stuff. Now the short range stuff, I really, 
I kind of would label these consumables. This includes food and household items like paper towels and detergent, toothpaste, razor blades, you know, that kind of stuff, the kind of stuff that you use it up. And my final category is I, and that's gifts. Now we mostly try to gift things that is between me and Rhonda. We try to gift things that will last. For example, our most recent gifts to each other. I'll put a picture of these, these awesome camping rocking chairs. Cause we would, we'd go to the kids baseball games. And of course, all these parents and some of the grand, they've got these chairs. I'm like, I've never seen these kind of chairs before. I like these chairs. They they're, they're rocking. They're, they're rocking chairs. They've got these cylinders, these pistons at the back and they're extremely comfortable. Uh, they're not cheap, but they're not insanely expensive. Uh, they were 69 bucks. I got one for my birthday and Rhonda said, yeah, that's what I, that's what I want that for mom, for mother's day. And so we now have two of them sitting side by side in our apartment. You know why they're comfortable <laughs> they're really comfortable. And yes, we did get, we got them both in crimson. Come on. We're OU Sooners fans. You got to go crimson. So I began to examine all this stuff. I began to scrutinize all this stuff. And I realized that we are currently going through an extraordinary circumstance. And that circumstance has a tremendous amount of upfront expenses. Now the danger, here's the danger is failing to realize that this is an extraordinary circumstance and it's kind of a one-off and then falling into the habit, spend, 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 keep spending. I mean, take the landscaping of the new house. Yeah. Don't get me started. So it starts out and there's an estimate at one price. I have zero experience at Arizona lawns. Every lawn that I've ever had was grass. A lot of maintenance, a lot of upkeep. Entered the rock yard, and I'm thinking, well, this is pretty great. <laughs> this, this won't have anywhere near the upkeep, and it doesn't. But having any clue about the cost, just completely out of the realm of my experience, and it continued to climb... Now it wasn't climbing by an extraordinary amount. It was kind of that dreadful creep and it wasn't because we were changing our mind. It wasn't because we were adding more stuff, making it more complex. It was because the estimated amount of rock wasn't just spot on coupled with the fact that if you order a certain amount of rock, you can get free delivery. And if you don't, then you have to pay for it. And then you're faced with, well, why would I pay a delivery fee when that delivery fee might, might buy me two more yards of rock. I'd rather just add two more yards of rock onto the order, get free delivery. And that way I got more rock. At least I can do something with the rock delivery fees, just throw it up in the air and forget about it. We also decided to add some bigger rock in one area where rain, rainwater, runoff is just greater. It just made sense to put bigger rock in that area. And so all of that just drove the cost up, but again, slightly this, I'm not talking about it didn't double or triple or anything like that. It was just that project creep that we all love so much. Our biggest spending in all of this by a wide margin and frankly, in this order is appliances, my computer and landscaping. And the fourth one, bringing up the rear, I would put under household stuff like blinds and a ladder and a leaf blower step ladder. Yeah, we had to, st the new house has ginormous ceilings and Rhonda, she still feels like a Smurf, uh, bar stools. I'll include those chairs, these gifts that we got each other. I'm going to include here yellow studio stuff, uh, desks, chairs, video lights, the Roadcaster Pro 2. Uh, I'm currently using the original Roadcaster Pro, 
and I'm using that here in the Yellow Studio 3.1, but Yellow Studio 4.0 will have the Rodecaster Pro 2. I may reverse that. I don't know. In addition, Rhonda needed some shelving installed at the new house, and it looks terrific, by the way. And it gave her so much more linear shelf space, which she desperately needed. The only consumable items really have been food, paper products, you know, plates, paper towels, toilet paper, detergent, cleaning products. And yes, those add up, but they're a small fraction of these larger ticket items. And like I said, the majority of the big ticket items, they were financed using somebody else's money without costing us any interest. By the way, that includes some podcasting stuff that I got using 12 months, same as cash or six months, same as cash. So all of these, every single big ticket thing was done using somebody else's money. Now here's the real caveat to all of this. It all adds up to real money. Thousands of dollars later, I'm realizing the need to not hit pause, but kind of the need to hit the brakes. And there are only a few things now that remain and some that are just, they're going to have to happen later just because that's the practical reality of our situation. For example, landscaping did not need to include planting very much because we're going to wait until next spring, 2024. We're waiting for that. That's not a budget thing. That's just kind of a practical reality thing. And by the way, that's not going to be a break the bank kind of an expense. I realize I've got friends who have spent tons of money landscaping, but we're not, we're not going to, but it's not going to be free and we'll just figure out some appropriate amount to invest in that. But again, hopefully barring some hard freeze or something that would, you know, destroy your plants. Hopefully there'll be a lifespan that'll be beyond just one season. Uh, the yellow studio 4.0, that's going to require a little bit of work and I'm going to need to hire some of that work done. My hope is the same folks that built and installed that shelving in Rhonda's sewing room, they'll be able to do the job. All reports are, they will. Uh, I plan to have some acoustical fabric installed on the walls and a few other things that are going to require carpentry skills. I don't have carpentry skills and I suspect it's going to cost me a little bit, uh, supplies and everything, maybe a few thousand dollars, but again, this is the yellow studio 4.0, and this is going to be a long-term investment. The yellow studio 2.0, really the yellow studio 1.0, those, those mustard yellow walls, um, they were painted, they lasted 20 years. So I'm looking at this in similar fashion. This is going to be a long-term investment that isn't going to require any update unless I just get sick of it, but I won't because I've given this enough thought to know that's not likely going to happen. Yes, it is going to remain the yellow studio. No, that does not mean the walls will be yellow, but Hey, we'll see. I'm also going to need a few pieces of furniture to round out the space. Again, these are one-off expenses and I'm not going to go crazy. <laughs> I sent some friends, their, la their last name is Owen. And there's a chair out there called the Owen. It looks terrific. It's $1,200, but it looks terrific. No, there will be no $1,200 chair inside the yellow studio. I can promise you that. So I'm talking hundreds, not thousands of dollars. Where does the money come from? Where does the money come from? For us, we had money in savings. Now that does not mean that we are willing to exhaust savings. It means that we were able to plan and develop a strategy for taking advantage of these same as cash financing deals that we got. It also means that we have been able to pay credit card bills on time without incurring any interest charges, 
And I'm going to just tell you for us, we would avoid spending money if that were not the case. And even with this strategy, we have planned out these expenditures over time instead of just doing them all at once. For instance, we got the refrigerator a couple of months before we got the washer and dryer. Because for short stays at the new house, we knew we needed a refrigerator. Okay, well, it's not urgent to have a washer and dryer for a short stay. We did the landscaping last mostly because, well, it was March and April. And here we are well into May. And we held it for last mostly because we wanted the spring rains to diminish. And that way the job wouldn't be stretched out for weeks on end because, well, we can't get to it this week because the weather's foul. The shelving for Rhonda's sewing room, we scheduled that to happen before our next trip to the new house, which is coming up here shortly. And we did that so that she would be able, she did a bunch of unboxing of all of her sewing stuff, fabric and things, and got as much of it as she could and intentionally saved the rest, knowing that this shelving was going to be installed. And now she'll be able to unbox everything else mostly dolls and fabric. My yellow studio has not really even begun. I've held that for last because, well, there's a couple of reasons. One is I've already got yellow studio 3.1 here. I got it up and running. So it really isn't that critical that I get version 4.0 going, but I got boxes and I really would like to get the boxes and Rhonda would like me to get the boxes unboxed. And so the planning has helped spread out the funding of all these expenses because we've kind of been following a little bit of a timeline for when we want to get certain things done. You know, these mile markers, technically there's multiple sources for money. Generally speaking, all of us, I mean, there's checking accounts, there's cash under the mattress or buried out in the backyard. There's savings accounts, there's investments. The first three for us are options. Okay. Checking account, cash under the mattress, savings accounts. That last one, the investments not under consideration. And oh, by the way, we are unwilling to exhaust any of these. No, we don't keep cash under the mattress, but if we did, I wouldn't want to exhaust that either because nothing is worth that to us. We are still living within our means, even though we're spending more than we've spent in years. Remember, we've gone 25 years without moving, so this is an exceptional time for us. All right, so what are the lessons learned here? What's the point of all this for you? Yes, you need a strategy. You need a plan. Only the richest of the rich can just spend willy-nilly, but I suspect most of them don't. Counting the cost is a strategy. It's the strategy. And we've got to do it before we spend it. And before we spend it, we have to have a strategy to earn it. Income must precede expense. I'm not talking about using debt to leverage business growth. I'll just simply share my personal viewpoint, which is not one I would ever impose on you. But debt-free living is the goal. Rhonda and I both put a high value on being debt free. Maybe you don't, and that's okay. I would simply ask, what do you value most? Figure that out and figure out why. Why do you value that most? Rhonda and I prize debt free because it provides us with a level of stress-free living that we want. I don't mind stress. I rather thrive on some stress, but I don't want that kind of stress. I want to pick my stress. You might value something more. That's okay. Another why for us in our view of this whole debt-free lifestyle is our faith and conviction coupled with our natural wiring. I hate owing people. I don't mind people owing. Okay. Within reason. I don't want people to owe me big, but I despise being indebted to other people. I despise imposing on other people. It is among my many character flaws. 
And I will drive myself crazy with a debt hanging over my head. I'm also willing to drive myself crazy knowing that we are almost, but not quite at the end of the spending spree that accompanies two moves at one time. Hashtag never again. I'm never doing this again. So back to the lessons that I've learned. It starts with a strategy. It starts with a plan. And for me, the plan did not involve more than short-term debt without interest. That plan was only possible at this scale because for years and years we had saved money and we had the resources on hand to pay for everything in full in real time. The financing options were simply tools that enabled us to keep our money on hand and then we could just dole that out regularly so that we could avoid paying interest. Next, the lesson learned is we measured the expenses that were one-offs. Not all of our expenses were created equally. You know, some like those major appliances and my new computer, they were done knowing that these are likely going to be expenses that we're going to incur and we're not going to have to incur these again for many, many years. Now, not all big ticket items fit that bill, but for us, that's a requirement. You can have your own requirements. I would say down to a $300 battery-powered leaf blower that we know is going to last us, well, frankly, it'll probably last us the rest of our lives. Down to the work desks for the Yellow Studio that, by the way, are not crazy expensive, they're slightly more than 300 bucks. And they're going to last me, I, they'll last me the rest of my life, guaranteed, unless there's some disaster that destroys them. Down to a $250 chair, okay, it's not going to last forever, but I can promise you it's going to last years. And I consider these big ticket items. I consider a $300 battery-powered leaf blower a big ticket item. And for us, these big ticket items are one-offs because we're not going to be buying these things again for a long time. In fact, some of them, I don't plan to ever buy them again. Well, that ROI, that return on investment is an important part of our spending strategy. When possible, we took advantage of these interest-free financing options. The biggest pain, I can tell you without a doubt, the biggest pain is keeping track of these. Now, while we use Quicken, and we have used Quicken for many, many years, Rhonda recently, well, within the last couple of years, she moved to a new version, the cloud-based Quicken. It has been an absolute colossal disaster. It was necessary because she was using an old Mac, and it gave up the ghost. We had an old version of Quicken that we used, and we didn't upgrade because this old Mac it was not upgradable. I couldn't update the system. It was not tied to the internet in any way. That was kind of a negative. It was a positive at first just for security reasons, but you know, we we had to go to something else and unfortunately this new at least to her, this new Quicken, it does not update, it does not reconcile, not with any predictability. And the learning curve is vexing to her. I've promised I'm going to help her figure it out once this dust settles. But that has made keeping track of all these payments much harder than it should be. Do you use something other than Quicken? Something that you love? Something that's either cloud-based or something that'll work on a Mac? I'd love to hear. I would love, 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 love to hear about alternatives because this, this Quicken thing, it works sometimes. Mostly it doesn't work. And while I'm sure there is a degree of pilot error, I mean, Rhonda's been using Quicken for decades. And so I'm thinking, you know, this learning curve should not last over a year. This is a bright woman who's been using this software for years and years and years and years and years. And yet the cloud-based version that she's now using is absolutely driving her batty. So keeping track of these things is really important, but it, I'm going to tell you, for us, due to this Quicken thing, it's a pain. The incidental expenses, you know, all those smaller but cumulative things that we've bought, 
it just, it's a cliche, but it does feel like a death by a thousand paper cuts. This has been the most vaccine experience for me of this whole thing. You know, I can look at things like computers and desks and landscaping and okay, we're done. These other things feel like it's the never ending story. The good news is I, I think we're nearing the end of the never ending story. And we intentionally did wait for these final things, Rhonda's sewing room, these shelves, my yellow studio 4.0, the sewing room is it's close to being done, uh, before she gets completely moved in, which is hopefully going to happen here shortly. The yellow studio version 4.0, it, it has not even begun yet. Yeah. So I got that going for me. The good news is I'm going to be able to leverage interest-free financing for, for about a thousand bucks of, of desks and things like that, that I'm, I'm going to need the carpentry stuff that I'm going to need done. Obviously there'll be no financing of that, but it good news again, it's a once and done ordeal. Now for us, you take all of this and you roll it up into a big ball and all of these costs answer. The answer is yes to this really important question. Is it worth it? Well, I guess the bigger answer is, can you afford it? And is it worth it? And the answer to both is yes. Now, is it worth it is a bad question for folks that don't care about being in debt up to their earlobes. But for frugal folks like us, it's a valid question. And again, everybody has to figure out what they most want and what they're willing to give up to get it. So can you afford it? There are many people that view it. Yeah, we can afford it. Translation, we can afford to make the minimum monthly payment and to pay 27% interest. No, you can't afford it. You can't afford it. So you've got to think about what's important to you. You know, I've, we've got friends who enjoy big, expensive trips every, every year. Some might enjoy big, expensive trips a couple of times a year, maybe even more. Worth it to them? The answer is yes. I'm going to assume they can afford it. I don't know. To me and Rhonda, a big expensive trip or two every year? No. No, we, we don't even have to debate it. We don't even have to discuss it. We don't even have to think about it. Some multi-thousand dollar trip would not be worth a single conversation for us because it's not a priority for us. Doesn't mean we wouldn't take one. For instance, we, we would both love to see Ireland or Scotland. Might we do that one day? I don't know. We might. And we'll only do it if we can afford it. And if we really want to, and we can answer the question, will it be worth this amount of money for us? Newsflash, probably the answer is no. We're, we would probably look at that and because both of us are wired similarly in that we're going to be thinking about, man, you know what we could do? <laughs> We could do this. We could do that. We could do, we'll think about a million other things that we could do with the amount of money that it would take to make a trip like that. Spending a few thousand dollars on a sewing room. That would likely be a hard no for many women, but it's not a hard no for Rhonda spending a few thousand dollars on a podcasting home office space. Well, that would likely give way to a lot of guys would say, no, man, give me those new golf clubs. You know, give me that, give me that fishing boat or fishing gear. Give me that hunting equipment, something else. But for me, it's totally worth it. And the reason it's worth it is a, we can afford it. And B the return on investment, the return on the cost is high. A guitar in the hands, in my hands, the ROI is zero. Same with a basketball. But put a guitar in the hands of Jason Isbell, put a guitar in the hands of Mark Knopfler, and you've got a return on investment that you can't even calculate because it's so high. Put a basketball in LeBron's hands, and the return on investment is hundreds of millions of dollars. But put either one in my hands, and the worth is zero. <laughs> to each his own. You know, have I learned anything new in all this? Well, Maybe sadly it ain't over yet. Mostly I know this, we cannot afford 
Rhonda and I cannot afford to make this a habit. This is an event and this event has an ending. And I think that's largely what many people don't figure out. And we are working very hard to bring this to an end as quickly as possible. The next thing that I have learned is to focus more on income. Replenishing accounts has been a priority. You know, instead of just sitting back and watching this stuff, just exit your bank account, I've concentrated on bringing it in. I mean, if what goes up must come down, then what goes out must be replaced or replenished. At least that's my viewpoint. And what began with purging possessions ended with making two moves, one to an apartment, one to a new house that we never intended on buying. Well, at least not yet. We maintained our purging commitment, even in the face of making new purchases. And I know that sounds odd and incongruent, but the reality of our quest forward toward practical minimalism meant that our purchases were vetted based on their worth or their value to us and also based on their long lasting impact on us. Those major appliances, they are a necessity. So is landscaping. Okay. Rhonda's sewing room, the yellow studio. No, they're not necessary, but they are long-term preferences. She's been sewing since she was a teenager. I've been podcasting, working from a home-based space for decades. These are not activities that we are unsure about. These are not activities that we're just embarking on brand new today. Both of us know with great certainty that we're going to be rewarded with the investments, the cost that we incur to make these areas what we want them to be. Simultaneously, Rhonda is continuing her purging because unlike me, she had to delay hers until we moved. There just simply wasn't time for her to sell off the things that she's got a whole lot of. And that mainly is fabric, fabric, and a whole lot more fabric. She wanted to purge that. She still wants to purge that. But my stuff was more easily purged because my 3,200 books... I couldn't convert that. I could convert 3,200 books into probably five bucks cash, but instead I donated them to our local library and they benefited her stuff. Unlike my stuff, it could be sold for cash, but she needs time to do that. And so her approach to this purging understandably had to be very different. You don't want to give something away that you could sell for good money. That's her case. That was not my case. Purchases are put on trial. This is really not something that we've learned in this event, but we've just learned it throughout our life. Purchases are put on trial and they either pass the test or they don't. Now, do we spend money on things that we don't necessarily need? Of course, everybody does. I mean, my son gave me an Apple iTunes gift card for my birthday. Do I need to buy new music? No, I don't need to buy new music, but I enjoy it. And I would argue that a $10 Apple iTunes purchase that will last me for many, many years. And it will likely endure hundreds, if not thousands of plays. Is that a high ROI? It's an extraordinarily high ROI for me. If you don't listen to a lot of music, it wouldn't be high ROI, high ROI for you. The same could be said of Kindle books and other non-vital things. It could also be said for a package of black t-shirts that I just bought for 12 bucks, <laughs> but like more expensive things, I'm going to get years of use from even black t-shirts and except for food or other consumables, I don't buy things with a short shelf life. I mean, something as mundane as a pair of socks. Recently, I bought a three pack of my favorite dress socks. You know how often I buy these socks? I think the last time I bought these socks, it might've been 10 years. It might've been 10 years ago. Clothing, including shoes, they get worn year after year after year. I'll have one ratty pair of tennis shoes that I will keep and I'll wear and I'll just wear and I'll wear and I'll wear them out. And the others, they stay in a box and I kind of rotate the yellow studio gear. It gets used. It get used, it gets used day after day, year after year. It get, if I don't use it in podcasting, I'm using it with clients. The furnishings, they get used, they get used daily for years. The landscaping, it's going to remain in place for years. 
you can see a big part of whether or not to make a purchase should be made based on the length of use. I know that that flies in the face of people who exhort us to make purchases based on joy, right? I mean, if you, if you follow the minimalism movement, you will see that phrase used over and over. If this thing own this thing, if it will give you joy, I, I, for me that I think that's foolish. I'm chasing something that is more lasting and more practical than joy. Even my monthly fiber internet connection is viewed through this practical, long-lasting lens. Most folks don't need fast upload speeds. We want fast download speeds, but we don't care anything about upload because most of us are not uploading big, big files to the internet. But when you are working with large multi-gigabit video files and for your own content and I am, and sometimes you're uploading big, big video files to TV station servers around the country, which is something I do in part as a volunteer church related work, then the upload speed matters. And so that 80 bucks a month, well spent. Oh, I could save $30 a month. Well, the practical reality is that $30 a month, that's an extraordinarily high ROI for me. Might not be for you. Overall, I put more emphasis on the practical and practical minimalism. And as with most things, it's a choice. It's a choice. It is a conscious, well-thought-out choice. You want some bonus wisdom? Well, here you go. When I sign up for a free trial, you ever do that? Of course, we all do it. A free trial that will convert to a paid subscription. I will calendar the date that it converts to a paid subscription minus one day. And that way, if it proves unworthy, I know to cancel it. I'm going to get a reminder to cancel it before it costs me anything. When I sign up for a paid subscription, I will calendar the date that it renews minus one day. That way I'm reminded I've got this subscription and I can now decide, do I want to keep it? Do I want to cancel it? Most of my clients use ACH to pay my invoices electronically. It's like direct deposit. And I use mobile depositing whenever a client sends me a check and that speeds up the deposits hitting my accounts. Here's a big one. Currently I'm trying to earn enough return on some investment dollars annually to reduce our annual overhead. So here's how it works. I just view these things in terms of months. For example, if our monthly overhead was pick a number was say $2,500 then I would aim to see how many months worth of income might I be able to earn over the course of a year. I'm trying to earn at least two months worth of income. So it reduces what I'm calling the income strain. It reduces it from 12 months to 10. And frankly, my goal is I'd like to, I'd like to do nine. I'd like to get it to where nine months instead of 12 months, all the better. You get the idea. That is completely congruent with our cash flow approach to life. No, we have no designs on retiring. Translation, we have no designs to stop working altogether. Beginning in 2024, Lord willing, Rhonda is going to focus more attention on her sewing and her sewing business of making custom-made doll dresses. Visit her website, dolldressesbyrhonda.com. I'm going to continue with my coaching practice and this podcast and the other podcast. I have no plans to change anything I'm doing for me. It's just more of the same. And lastly, it's all subject to change as our circumstances and our ideal outcomes change. Give yourself permission to alter your course because that's what growth and improvement are always about. And they are always the goal. 
leaningtowardwisdom.com is the website. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Welcome.